0: Um, As I said earlier, Pastor Jeremy is gone this uh, week and these uh, next couple weeks here, uh, but we are so thankful to have with us this morning the uh, pastor of Redeemer um, Church and we are so thankful uh, that not only do we have with us the pastor but also somebody who is an administrator there at uh, Macedonia Christian Academy of which I know many of us and our young people are a part of and uh, we uh, not only appreciate all of those titles in him but me personally I can say that I appreciate his friendship and um, one thing that I admire so much and I uh, I told somebody this morning uh, brother Chago's coming there like who and I'm like Santiago curling, uh, and uh, we know him as, uh, as that name, uh, Brother Chago, but uh, I, um, we are so thankful for his friendship, what he means to us as a family, and I know that I can honestly say that his ministry here in the valley is something that is significant, has made an impact in many lives. Um, I know long before my kids were of school age, um, I looked around the, the, uh, the, uh, the landscape of the valley, and I said, you know, wherever... Chago's at, I want to be involved in, in that Christian education, and I'm thankful for his ministry there, thankful for his heart for God, thankful for what God has done in his church, and uh, we are so thankful that he was willing to step away on a Sunday and uh, be willing to come and be with us here this morning. So thank you, Brother Chago. Thank you for coming, you. and share with us whatever God's laid on your hand. Thank you very much. Appreciate thank
1: you, you. so much, John. All right, let me get set up here. Am I on? Test, test. All right, let me check.
0: to see. If, uh, I see am I doing he's on? He's on here. Number one is it
1: test test. one two i hear something now yeah that or it's my coach's voice yes all right good morning good morning like yeah like john said uh my name is santiago curling people call me chago it's a real joy to be with you today um i have such fond uh thoughts about this ministry um it's, it's had such an amazing impact in the valley for, for Jesus and for the cause of the gospel. And uh, I just want you to know that I'm, I'm a champion for you guys. I really am. I, I think of you guys. I I meet people I, that I witness to. They live on this side of the valley. And especially, you know, if they are a primary Spanish speaker for many years, I'd be like, I, I know a church for you on that side. And so I'm just very, very thankful for this gospel light. Um, so really thankful for that. I'm excited also to get into the word with you today, Uh, not only those that are here, I know this is like a summer crowd, right, but also those that are at home, maybe even people that are traveling, right, are, 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 um, you know, uh, tuning in as well, and I just hope that um, I can be a real encouragement to you. So we're going to read Galatians chapter 6, 11 through 18, this is the end of this uh, epistle, Galatians chapter 6 let me open up my passage and be there and I think you have it on the screen as well and many of you you're not opening your Bible you are opening your phone and so let's go there let's begin you see how large a letter I have written unto you with my own hand as many as desire to make a fair show in the flesh they constrain you to be circumcised only lest they should suffer persecution for the cross of Christ For neither they themselves who are circumcised keep the law, but desire to have you circumcised that they may glory in your flesh. But God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. And as many as walk according to this rule, peace be on them in mercy and upon the Israel of God. From henceforth, let no man trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Would you pray with me? Father God, we thank you, Lord, for your beautiful design. Why are we gathered here? Why have we assembled? Why do we take time, God, to be here? Lord, it's because you've asked that of us. So I pray, God, that you would um, use this time today. Lord, encourage your body. Help us get into your word. Lord, we need uh, recalibration. We need to see your word, and we need to see the mirror of that. Then we need to see our lives and our hearts. And then make, God, any changes and adjustments, Lord, that you want to do in our lives so that we can look like Jesus so that we can give more of jesus lord to our communities and families and workplaces and so god take your word and do beautifully god what you long to do is to change us into the image of christ it's in his name we pray amen amen so our first slide a culture of celebrating forced acceptance so uh, i you know apologize i didn't know how big your screens were and my m- media team gets mad at me all the time for putting too much but that's just the way i do it we have a culture right of celebrating um this kind of forced acceptance you know even today as we see uh people say well this is my belief or this is my opinion or this is my perspective right and people just have what this sense of like this is who i am and it's your job to accept me on my terms and there's this whole culture going growing about forced acceptance. And um, what are we asked to accept right now in our culture? We're being asked, if you look at the trans uh, issues and homosexuality and personal morality, we are being, uh, let's do that. Test. And we're being asked, right, to, 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 on their terms, their version of reality, we have to accept them because that's something they're proud about. That's something that, that they've finally concluded and said, this is who I am, and you must go along with it. Okay, so we're seeing this culturally everywhere. And I think one of the things that Christians are going to have great opportunities uh, in the future is like how, how to address those things, right? How to respond to people who have that mindset and that perspective. I know if you have a good pulse of, of your community, of the world, it's getting crazy town, y'all, right? Like There's things that you're just like, wait a second, that makes no logical sense. Um, You know, if you're pro-feminist, but you're going to allow men to compete in that, then it all falls apart. Like, things just don't make logical sense. And uh, that's the way it's supposed to be, by the way. When you don't live in truth and you live in falsehood, it's supposed to be dashed on the rocks of reality, okay? Like, this is what I do want to do. It's my decision and there's going to be consequences for that. But we're seeing that, right? We're seeing this take place. And there's it's it's not something that is happening in a subtle way. You're seeing this this dynamic where I call it um, the next slide, a call to be loud and proud. Right. We just went through the, the month of June, which is um, about pride month. And we're told that when I hold a perspective, when I hold an opinion, when I have this thing, I'm supposed to not just whisper it. I'm supposed to shout it from the rooftops and. Part of the dynamic that you see in culture is, hey, if you really want to feel free, if you want to feel liberated, then take your version of truth and shout it out. And who cares what those consequences are? The more that you shout it out, the, the prouder you are, the more liberated you will be. And so it's, just think about what's happening. There's this call, right, to boast in our practices and values the call. The call is to boast in it. Um, It wouldn't be uncommon to to talk to a teacher. And if a a young person was struggling with their sexual identity, they would recommend what you need is to stop hiding it. Confront your parents. Actually, if you'd like to get in front of a student assembly, we'd love to celebrate with everybody. You coming out of the closet. All right. That is their solution that they're telling you and me and everybody like that what needs to happen is your version of reality needs to be accepted by everybody. And I want to take that big topic, right, that you're seeing in the culture and actually bring it into the church. And I want you to know that that dynamic, that, that thing that we see happening out in the world actually happens quite a bit in the church as well. And in our passage today, you're going to see that this concept of acceptance culture of you must believe like me and you must practice like me and you must have convictions like me also happen within the context of the church family. And that's what you're going to see even in our passage today. And this acceptance culture, what we call in Christianity in Christianese is self-righteousness. See, if I have this conviction and I embrace this reality, I expect you to agree with me and I'm supposed to not hold it right shyly. I'm supposed to be loud and proud. It's pretty interesting how this kind of comes together. What we see culturally manifested through sin is something that happens within the context of the church. And so what we're going to be talking a lot about today is glory in or boast in. Next slide, please. And so as we have this introduction, um, what do you glory in? what do you boast in? What what are the things that 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 here? Paul says, man, God forbid that I would not what glory in anything else but the cross of Christ. And so the three points today, I'm getting I'm figuring this out. I'm got my slide. That one good. What are you boasting in? Why we only boast in the cross and how to boast in the cross and I hope the Lord will encourage you greatly through this. Next slide. number. Let's go, point one. What are you boasting in? What are you boasting in? We all boast in something, okay? We all glory in something, period. You're hardwired to do it. You cannot help it, okay? And so the central problem in the book of Galatians is that they're boasting in the wrong thing, right? Having started so well, why are you being, what, diluted away to go back into works instead of just faith in Christ alone? And you see that throughout all the New Testament, it's a common problem to begin glorying, boasting, relying on these other convictions and practices and not in Christ alone. All right. So it's such a common problem within the church that instead of me embracing the sufficiency of Christ and what he has done. No, I think I need to add a regiment. I need to add a practice. I need to add a certain type of perspective and then that's what I'm going to boast in. That's what I'm going to glory. That's what I'm going to feel a sense of satisfaction about. And I would say to you that one of the main struggles, even in Christianity today, is what do you rejoice in? Like what makes you excited in your Christian walk? What energizes you? What fuels you? And in verse 12 that we read, it says that they were really excited, some of these Christians, right, to do what? As many as desire to make a fair show in the flesh, they constrain you to be circumcised. Why? Only lest they should suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. They're constraining you. They're begging you. They're asking you to do these things, right? They want you to join in. Why? Because to them, they're not telling you something because they think it's going to hurt you. They're saying, oh, you really want to experience the Lord? Do this. Have this conviction. Have this practice. Next slide. And so just to show you that it's a part of our human sin to love to boast in something. This is Kim Jong-il. This is actual documents that are found in their country. This guy's delusional. He walked at three weeks, talked in eight months, wrote 1,500 books in the university, scored 300 in his first bowling game, made 11 hole-in-ones in in his first golf game, was, was born under a double rainbow, and a new star appeared on the night of his birth. This guy's boasting, right? I mean, I mean, how delusional is that? Next slide. And we don't want to live in that delusion, right? We don't want to be boasting in the wrong thing. So we all boast in something. So when you hear about boasting, when you hear that word glorying in something, it really just means what do you rejoice in? What do you cherish? Where do you find? And this is really key to understanding this concept. Where do you find your sense of validation? Where, where do you find your sense of justification? Okay? And you say, well, how can I know what that is for me, Chago? How do I know if, if it's not glorying in Christ, but I'm glorying in something else, how do I know? Well, when the chips are down, when you get hit in the gut, when something fails, when something doesn't turn out the way you've planned and worked and invested, and guess what happens when the chips are down? Where does your mind go to have a sense of it's all going to be okay? And wherever you go, y'all, is where you're putting your validation. And if it's not to Christ, and if it's not what's been accomplished for you on the cross, you're going to go and do it something like this. I'm a good mom. You might fire me from my job. You might let me go. But you know what? I'm a good mom, and that makes me a somebody. Um, I might fail in a ministry. I might try something, and it just falls apart. And you know what? I am a committed Christian. I read my Bible. I'm faithful. I pray. That makes me a somebody. And that's how you begin to unpack, like, where do I put my boast? Where do I put me glorying in something? So, so what does that look like for you? I don't know. Uh, that's something that you can assess as you pray and you think, like, where do I go for that? God, where, where do I ultimately, when, when the rug falls out and I fall flat on my rear end, where do I go? And, I am a good dad. I've got great kids. I'm a disciplined person. You're glorying in the wrong thing. So next slide. So boasting In this way, the self-exaltation, how does it kind of manifest itself? What does it look like, right? And I have three things just to kind of show you what they look like, kind of based on our passage. Number one, it looks like pride, okay? It's this better than. all right? I've arrived. I know what I'm doing. It's marked by kind of judging others according to your standard and expectation. So when I am glorying in the wrong thing, when I'm boasting in the wrong thing, What it looks like is, hey, you need to get your life together. Okay? So some of you are great parents, I'm sure, right? And I always think of parents that have their act together. I always go, what a blessing. Isn't God kind to you that you knew to put your kids on a schedule, that you knew to do family devotions, that you knew how to discipline without losing your mind? Isn't it nice that God graciously taught you some of these tools because I do a lot of family counseling and someone comes to know Jesus and they come in into my office and they talk to me and they're just like we can't handle our kids and I look at how they're raising their kids and I go you're just raising the kids the way your parents raised you you don't know any better right I mean or scream till you get control or give them candy till they capitulate like they don't know any better right and so what happens is if, if you have been blessed by God to know kind of how to raise your children mas o menos or menos que mas, what you do is you begin to judge those other families that have their kids or chaos. But what you've got to be thinking is like, hey, is that something now that you're boasting in? If, if you're judging, you probably are. Because you think you figured it out and you didn't. God was just kind to give you those tools. <laughs> All right. So another one is the, the self-preservation What does this kind of boasting manifest itself like in our life? Self-preservation, verse 12 again, is that concept. It's this path of ease. And you say, what what is that? See, it's marked by this submission to comfort and convenience. It says that instead of glorying in the cross, they rather glory in their conviction. For them, it was circumcision. Why? Because it's just a lot easier to glory in that than the cross, Because the glory in the cross comes with the price. And there's certain expectations and there's certain things that now I have to do and live out in my life because I am boasting in the cross. And it says there that they were not willing to suffer for the cross. But guess what? If we go and hang on to circumcision, that is so much easier. And I'm going to tell you why in a little bit why that is Comfort and convenience. And so many times when somebody is really getting challenged or God is doing a work in a church, I'll notice, right? Okay, they're moving towards Jesus. You can see it. People are being convicted. There's repentance. There's growth. What do people do? Well, this way is hard. This way might mean I have to change my mind. This way means that I might have to ask forgiveness. This way means I might have been raised wrong on this one point. They don't want to suffer for the cross. You know what, I'm just going to go over here where it's all laid out, all the rules. It's just everyone needs to perform one, two, three, and we're good to go. There's no suffering here. But to go towards Jesus is to go towards growth. It's to go towards change and to become more like him. And so it's marked by this self-preservation idea. And thirdly, it's just full of his hypocrisy. In verse 13, it's just this disingenuous life. And what it's really going to do when you start to be boasting in the wrong thing, you're always going. You can't meet your own standard just so you know. All right. And there it said in verse 13, if you can put that up, I don't know if you can throw that together. I don't know. Come on now. For neither they themselves who are circumcised keep the law. They're telling everybody to do it. And they say, but they can't even be consistent themselves. All right. Now you have to live a life of hypocrisy. Now you have to restrict relationships. Now you have to restrict information. Why? Because if I'm boasting in a law or a practice or an ideal, then now you have to measure me by that. And so instead of measuring me by grace and being patient in my growth, you have to now measure me by the law. And I can't let you in to see what a mess I am. So... All our relationships are arm's length apart. It's going good, brother. Yeah, it's good. Don't ask me about my family because we're going through crazy town stuff. And I don't want you to know what a failure we are. But see, when you walk in grace, you're like, man, my family's really struggling. I'm trying to work through it. God's working on my heart. My son's struggling with this. I just need help. And you'll, you'll be transparent. You'll be real. Why? Because you are living in the grace of the cross, not by the law. And so when we all boast in something, it manifests itself with pride, self-preservation, and hypocrisy. Next slide. So I told you I wanted to just highlight this. We all would rather a list of do's and don'ts. We would all rather that. I I have a son, Ashton. Just give him a list, okay? You don't have to think through anything because if I give him the list and he's like, okay, I'll figure it out. We all rather that. We get to stay in control. We get to play the game. We get to compare ourselves among ourselves. That's easy. Salvation can be mine. I can work it all out in my own strength. And this is where, why, why we would rather boast in a law. Why we'd rather boast in a, in a certain conviction instead of the cross. Point two. So... We all boast in something, next slide, why we boast only in the cross, why do we do that, why has God designed it, why would Paul, just so you know in that Greek, when he says, God forbid, it's very explosive language, it's almost like he just said, let it not be that I would boast in anything but in the cross of Christ, all right, it was, a, it's an emotional response, the centrality of the cross is the centrality of the Bible, okay, The centrality of the cross is literally what the Bible is all about. We are never called to boast. Think about this. You tell me where you find in the Bible that you're called to boast about a principle. Or you're uh, supposed to boast about a practice. Or even the teachings of Jesus. We're not supposed to be like, blessed are the merciful. Boast in that. Right? Blessed that I give graciously, joyfully. No, what we're supposed to boast in what? In the cross of Christ. And what happens is even good things can become these ultimate things, right? And twist things. And often we boast in the wrong thing. Even when it's a good thing, like being a great mom or being a good dad. First Corinthians 2 2, he says, Would know that I would know nothing else but Jesus Christ and him crucified. Let's celebrate. The electric chair, that's what's so odd when we're asked to boast in that, right? That you would celebrate this. It's like a gas chamber in Germany. But this is what we're called to do. Next slide. The centrality of the cross is the centrality of the Bible. And just think about how even the Gospels are written. They're terrible biographies, all right? I mean, Jesus is born silent for 30 years, like, what's going on here? They're terrible biographies, right? And even when you're studying like the gospel of John, we're moving along. Things are going well. And then it's like, what? From 12 to 22, it's basically about him going to the cross and preparing for the cross and trying to bring people along with him. And he's telling everyone he's going to the cross and his disciples don't want to hear about it. And he's telling Greeks come and say, we want to see Jesus. And oh, you want to see me? I do. I want to see you. He goes, the son of man will be lifted up and he will draw all men unto himself. Matthew chapter 16, one of the awesome, it's one of the kind of like pivots of Matthew. Who do you say that I am? And they're having a conversation. Peter goes, you are the Christ, son of the living God. Oh, Peter, flesh and bone has not revealed that to you. But what? The spirit has let you know that I am the Christ. They have a little conversation. Soon after that, Jesus begins to teach them how he will be killed, how he will be dragged before people, how he will die and be raised again. And Paul goes over my dead body. And when uh, I mean, not Paul, Peter, when Peter says that the response from Jesus is basically get thee behind me, Satan, if you're going to diminish the cross, if you're not going to get with my program, that is a satanic strategy to minimize the cross. You understand the Bible is all about that, and I'm not going to make a larger case of that. I just want to read a big quote for you. I'm I'm, uh, famous for these. The cross of Christ was the scene of Christ's splendid victories over all his enemies and ours. The cross of Christ was the most powerful incentive to all evangelical holiness. The cross of Christ was the instrument which was to subjugate the world to the supremacy of Jesus. The cross of Christ was the source of all true peace, joy, and hope. The cross of Christ is the tree beneath whose shadows all sin expired. All grace lived the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. What a holy thrill these words produce in the heart of those who love the Savior. How significant their meaning, how precious their influence. Oh, the cross of Christ. This is what the Bible is all about. So I want to talk to you about why is it right designed that way. What does the cross do for you and me? If it is central in our life, if I do focus and put everything there, number one, it humbles us. It humbles us. Why? The cross traumatically violates and offends. It really does. If you're just super comfortable with the cross and it's no biggie, I just don't think you're interacting the right way. The, the, The cross of Christ is the Declaration throughout the universe that you are a horrible person. That you are so wicked, that you are so vile, that you are so depraved, that the only way to get you right is to slaughter the perfect son of God. That's it. I get you right with God. The perfect, beautiful son of God must be slaughtered on your behalf. And so the cross of Christ humbles us because it makes us wake up to reality that I am wicked, more wicked than I could ever imagine. The cross is the greatest declaration of your depravity. It's offensive because it is set against all schemes of self-salvation. I'm going to wash my face. I'm going to get better. I'm going to be more disciplined. All of that goes away at the cross. Nothing in my hand I bring only to the Cross, I cling. And so that is what happens at the cross. And how do I begin to boast? Why is it designed that I only boast in the cross? Because we need to be humbled. So the grace of God can be activated in our life to bring us to reality. Next slide. You don't understand the doctrine of the cross. You never truly come to grips with it unless you feel the offense of it. Period. Until you feel the abject horror of what it took to purify you and me before a holy God, then it's not having the impact it should. All right? Next slide. How the cross works. Number two, it validates you. I really want to kind of delight in this for a little bit. This is a wonderful, beautiful point. Because I said earlier, everybody wants to be validated. Everybody wants to be accepted on their terms. Um, I think this way. I believe this system. I have this conviction. I have this truth. And you must agree with me. And celebrate it. Okay. It's just something that's part of human nature. But what happens at the cross. Is that it peacefully. And fully reconciles us to God. And it makes. It says something to you. That you've always longed to hear. Think about this. You gain the applause of God. You gain the applause of God. You get. The only. The Set of eyes that matter in the world. The the supreme. Opinion in all of the universe. Looks down at you if you are in Christ Jesus. And smiles over you. You are my beloved child in whom I'm well pleased. I don't care what you feel like. I don't care what kind of week you had. You could have. You could have lost your temper on Tuesday, been not even thought about God for four days. God, if you are in Christ, Jesus looks down at you and says, you're my delight. You are precious in my sight. And it has nothing to do with your performances last week. It has all to do with the one one with the one who performed perfectly for me, who obeyed where I could not, who never failed. Who came to the point and said, hey, I have followed my father's will perfectly to the end. It's his righteousness, his life. It's his imputation that now I get to have in my life. This is so wonderful. There's another verse there in Romans 2.29. And it talks about like this circumcision thing that's happening. And God is looking for a circumcision of the heart and not just outward stuff. And then it says, Whose praise is not of men but of God that when i when when I respond the correct way, I get the praise of the only one that matters god's praise God's applause it just resonates with me, so I want to kind of illustrate this for the dudes so i i, I again I've had the privilege of doing marriage conferences, I go to some marriage conferences I enjoy this. They have found out something about how men and women are hardwired. It's, it's the most amazing thing. A man is kind of designed by God to go out into the world, work, labor, strive, right? Provide for the family, right? And a man can get his teeth kicked in at work every day. He's a loser. Get gossiped about. You have other people trying to step on him. And if he goes home and his wife goes, honey, you are the best. You're my king. A man can stay at that job for 20 years. I'm not joking. A man can take all the junk of the world because the only voice that matters to him is his wife's. Well, we'll drop a marriage in two seconds is if he comes home and his wife goes, can't you get your act together? Why are you always falling apart? Can't you be more responsible? Like if he hears it at work and he hears it at home, he's out. He'll go, I got to get a career change. Like he's out. And if we see that in, in that human example, I promise you the voice of God is greater still. And you can get beat up and you can. Fail and you can disappoint yourself. But when you tap into the fact that God looks down at you and goes, oh, I delight in you. You are mine. You are precious. I'm committed to you. I'll never forsake you. I'll never abandon you. And he doesn't do that, guys, based because you obeyed really good this week. He's doing it because you are hidden in Christ Jesus. So he's committed to you to the end. John 13 says. I love this thought. He's about transitioning into the upper room. And he says that he's about to talk to his disciples. He's about to deal with them. He's about to tell them about his sufferings, about to wash their feet. And he says, and he loved them unto the end. You will be loved all the way to the end because of Christ. It's the thing that validates you. Again. All right. Big, big quote. Here we go. C.S. Lewis beautifully puts this. It is written that we shall stand before him, shall appear that we shall be inspected with the all-knowing eye. And the promise of glory is the promise almost incredible and only possible by the work of Christ. That some of us, that any of us who really chooses shall actually survive that examination, shall find approval. Shall please God? Are you kidding me? The All examining, eye is going to look at my life and go, oh, I approve. I approve of you. To please God, to be a real ingredient in the divine happiness, to be loved by God, not merely pitied, but delighted in as an artist delights in his work or a father and a son. It seems impossible, a weight of a weight or burden of glory, which our thoughts can hardly sustain. But let me tell you, Christian, but so it is. It is going to happen if you have trusted in Christ. And so this is why we are designed to boast only in the cross. Next slide. Thirdly, it redirects you through the cross. The world has been crucified to me and I to the world. You now literally can enjoy the good things of life without them controlling you. You now can delight in a practice You can delight in a discipline. God can tell you not to watch TV. God can tell you not to do this. And you can go, it's good for me. It's good for my family. It doesn't define me. It doesn't control me. But I'm blessed to do it. And this is what the Lord allows us to have. True freedom, as Galatians 5 says. And so what is the result when this redirection happens? The family, the marriage, the business, the money, the success, the reputation, All of these are still a part of your life, but they are no longer your life. And you know that some of you, reputation means more to you than anything. For you to have a bad name, you don't show up to church again. You would walk away from God if your reputation got stepped on. Because it is your life, (laughs) not Christ. And now God allows us to enjoy these things and redirect us. So whatever next slide, whatever you are making your glory and boast, I like to think about this. I apply this to myself when I start to feel like I'm overemphasizing my performance, my work, my whatever. whatever when I'm overemphasizing that, I like to say this, that thing will never die for me. That will never make me beautiful. That thi- th- that thing will always fail me. So when I start to put my hope in a conviction, a practice, a principle, it won't die for me. Christ did. And it just makes me want to recalibrate myself towards him. So third point, how do we do this, Chago? You're convincing me that we're called to boast in the cross of Christ. So how do I do this? Real quick. Number one, embrace your undeserving position. I'm not trying to make you guys feel like, you know, you should, you know, you know be of low self-esteem i'm not going there but without connecting to this you're never going to be able to boast in the cross of christ john stott says only if we have humbled ourselves as hell deserving sinners shall we give up boasting of ourselves fly to the cross for salvation and spend the rest of our days glorying in the cross don't resist the offense of the cross it's it wounds so it can heal so there's a really cool practice about criticism. No one likes criticism, right? Josue, you're an amazing piano player. Really enjoyed your piano playing. I forgot I was going to say something at the beginning. I just love your style. Todo. It was a wonderful worship service. But, hey, he's worked hard. He put a lot of time into it, right? And if I came and said, I'm going to be critical of your playing. I'm gonna, can I give you three suggestions to do a better job, right? Van a lastimar poquito, right? It's going to hurt a little bit, okay? So how do you handle criticism? Let me tell you how you take the cross and criticism and put them together. When someone comes up to you in this church and says, eh, I'm a little concerned, maybe the attitude or the tone you said that. Or, you know, there was that misunderstanding and you kind of just gave me the silent treatment for three weeks. And someone is exposing your sin to you or criticizing you. The, if you live in reality of the cross and of what the cross says about you and your wickedness and depravity and sin, your response should be, Oh. That's all you think about when it comes to like my shortcomings and failings? There, I'm far worse than you think. Because the cross tells me I'm far worse than that. You mean a little bad attitude here, a little misunderstanding? That's nothing. I'm telling you, it will humble you and help you tremendously. The cross. Wounds so it can heal. Two, grow in your understanding of the cross. And what I mean by this is, guys, if you've not done this, if you've not really meditated, if you've not thought deeply about the cross, I'm really encouraging you to do that. Just think of how, how is it that every Sunday we can come in here and sing about the cross. Read hymns for over the last 1,500 years. And it doesn't stop. It's just about the cross and what Jesus has done and what it's accomplished there. It is so, so deep. Reconcile God's wrath with God's love. That was one of the things that just made me just like awaken to the beauty of the cross. I was like, oh, my word, I'm connecting two things here. The wrath of God. He's holy and just. But how can he love me and be merciful? How do you do those two things together? Look through the lens of the cross. Mingle together's God's justice and mercy. So let me just give you like this one just for fun. This is like a meditation thing. So the law is meant to be a blessing and a curse, right? So I want to use a very simple thing. You're driving, get to a stop sign, and you stop. Good job, Lucy. Way to stop at the stop sign. You go through, the cop says, good job, girl. She gets the blessing of the law. No ticket, everybody's safe. You get home, no issues, no extra insurance. Then somebody else comes through, right? And they roll through that. Woo! They get pulled over. They get the curse of the law now on them. You owe me $150, okay? And that law is over you until you pay it. Until what? Once you pay your debt? you get the blessing of the law again. You're a law-abiding citizen. Then just think about this. Jesus was always under the blessing of the law. Whatever was required of him, he did. Esteem others better than themselves, he did. Tell people what they would want to hear, but for their good, he did. Be misunderstood, respond with grace, he did. He lived under the full blessing of the law. Never broke it once. And all of us who broke the law and live under its penalty, which is death, he took upon himself and says, I'll take the curse. Put me on a tree, because cursed is everyone who, put, who is placed on that tree. That's what I'm telling you when you need to learn to think deeply about the cross and what, it, what takes place on it. Next slide, please. Channel everything through the cross. Everything. Everything in my life, your life is blood-bought. Everything, not one thing that you have in your life came to you free. It was purchased on your behalf. Just channel the good things in your life, the health, your skill set, your stability, your home. God shed his blood so you would have that. Guys, every bad thing that happens to you, channel it through the cross as well. Because of Christ, that means that every bad thing that happens to me, even my own sin, God can do what? Turn that for my good and his glory. Even what other people meant for evil against me, God goes, I can turn that for good. Guys, everything needs to be channeled through the blood of Christ. We boast our glory in what we find beautiful. Have you seen the beauty of the cross? And this gets really practical. I'm not going to preach on it, but um, Paul is making a really strong case throughout this. Galatians chapter 6, 1 through 3. If you see a brother who is at fault, you who are strong ought to bear infirm- for infirmities of the weak, and so fulfill the law of Christ, verse 3. Hey, be careful that you stay humble. Don't think you're something when you're nothing and deceive your own self. See how the cross of Christ all of a sudden makes you handle broken people. How do you handle annoying people? The cross of Christ will bring you practical tools to do that. Like literally, you'll be like, oh, I can't forgive this person. And then you think of Jesus and all he's done and go, I can forgive you. This person is such a wreck. They're such a mess. They're such a leech. And you're like, oh, my word, I'm so pathetic. And all I get from Jesus is patience and gentleness. And he carries me along. I'm the wayward sheep. And so it gets very practical as you boast in the cross. So in conclusion, in conclusion, next slide. What do you boast in? Oh, the wonder of the cross. I hope that we will be people that instead of boasting in our conviction or in my knowledge or in my perspective or even in my theology, that I will boast in the cross. The cross was the place of his greatest humiliation and the place of his greatest adoration. And Jesus gladly for the joy set before him went there put your focus on him and i just want to meditate on these thoughts on the cross jesus was jeered made fun of it says in mark that they wagged their fingers in his face so that we would get the applause of god on the cross jesus was rejected so that we would be accepted This is what we long for. We long for these things. We're hardwired. We see them happening in culture, and they're going crazy over it. We are given this by Christ in this setting through the scriptures where all that we've ever desired, all the satisfaction, all the embrace is ours in Christ Jesus. And if we boast in the cross of Christ, I promise you, it'll make you patient with people that are at different spiritual levels than you. It'll make you gentle with people who are still clinging, saying, oh, we've got to hold on to this standard, this perspective. You you know what? If you can't vote this way, then you must not be godly. And you're like, are you kidding me? And you'll be gentle with those people. You will. You'll just be gentle with them. If you boast in the cross of Christ. And so, again, I say to you in my last slide, what do you think and feel about the cross of Christ? My challenge is I hope that it begins to rise in your heart. I hope that you begin to appreciate and so that if anything interferes with that, I mean anything, you begin to find satisfaction in your marriage and in your performance and in your ministry and in your successes that you will echo with Paul. God forbid. No, I will glory in the cross of Christ. It's the only place I want to glory. The only one that matters for eternity. Successes come and go. Families come and go. Children don't turn out the way we plan. We're all designed to glory and boast in the cross of Christ. Brother John, would you come up, please? Father God, I just thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you for... Lord, just the recalibration, that's what I use all the time, that we need. This is what Sundays are so important, because we're drifting. We start to put our hope in this, and our frustrations manifest themselves in these different ways. But God, you draw us back to yourself. You lead us, Lord, back to the thing that heals us and that we need. And Lord, we need the cross. We need that clarity. We need that focus, Lord, to, to help us, Lord, live in this very deep broken and difficult and hard world and so god i pray that you would do that for people lord not only listening remotely but those in this room as well and i do pray god for anyone here that that maybe my my message was very foreign to them even as a christian they're sitting there going man he is overdoing it about this cross thing lord maybe they need to be saved maybe they need to see the preciousness of jesus So, God, would you save people even today, even, Lord, as we close, that they would put their hope and trust in Christ, in Jesus' name.